Welcome to our first podcast on gender diversity. My name's Harry Chapman. I'm the Director of Content for Mining in Darbo. Although more and more women are now pursuing careers in mining, it continues to be a male-dominated industry. But without a doubt, there is a commercial benefit of having a more diverse workforce. In the first of our two episodes on the importance of diversity in the mining sector, Nicole McCulloch, Managing Director of Women in Mining UK, talks to Tom Albanese, Lead Independent Director at Nevada Copper, about the challenges that women are finding in pursuing careers in mining companies, what has changed in the last two decades, and what further strategies and adaptations organisations need to drive and put in place to ensure that women working in the industry have the same opportunities open to them as men, and that they are confident that they are empowered to pursue them. Um, so I, I think the first question I, I'd like to sort of ask, ask Tom is, is you've been in the mining industry for quite some time now and in a variety of different roles and, and different organizations. And it'd be really interesting to understand what changes you've seen throughout your career in, in regards to the diversity agenda. Yep, okay, first of all, um, as a reminder, when I, when I was going to university, um, I think that in the classes of engineers, I would have been going through, there'd be about maybe 25, 30 men, and maybe one woman. Um, And so if you go to a university now, you'd probably see a much better balance, not perfect, but a much better balance. So the intake of people coming into uh, mining and particularly engineering-related fields is is a a much more diverse intake than it would have been when I was starting my career. And I think that's a big that's a big um, part of I think what will be a uh, a continued positive shift toward better diversity in the years and the decades ahead. Uh, there still remain challenges. Um, they're, they're the same challenge. In some cases, they're the same challenges that many other industries have, um, where 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 sometimes unfortunately women have different competing priorities in their 20s and 30s. Than men would, um, particularly in traditional industries, and so it does. It makes it harder for a woman to, you know, continue to advance and progressively advance uh, side by side with their male counterparts, um, you know, in those in those key ten to twenty years after university. And I think it's up to up schools, up to up to up to the up to the, to the, to the um, companies to actually uh, recognize that that's a problem that they can help to address. Um, I can remember 20 years ago where the concept of flex time working and flex time hours and working from home uh, would have been a complete non-starter. Um, first of all, you didn't have the technology to allow it, and second of all, the attitudes weren't there. What we've been seeing, I think, over the over the, the, the past um, five, ten years is a much more positive attitude towards companies on flex time on scheduling working from home uh, than, than we would have seen in the past. Uh, I, I would say, look, that, that probably wasn't led by the mining industry. It was probably led by others, but the mining industry has been a follower to that to that trend. Um, of course, that works very well in an office setting or, or mining, um, mining executives and, and, and mining professionals in an office environment, but it's more difficult in a in a in a, in a on a work site. Uh, particularly if that work site promote um, remote. Uh, so, so there are still challenges that need to be overcome on a going forward. 
were based, but again, it's going to be um, the key is going to be that the companies themselves have to be um, following other industries and be as proactive as they can be on recognizing that when women professionals are going through their 20s and 30s, we have to give them some space and flexibility uh, for, for time working from home, sh- uh, flexible schedules. Um, and then if, if, if we do that, we're going to find that we will be seen as premier employers, um, not just for, for women, but for, for, for everyone. Um, so I would say that so that's, that's, that's been some of the key areas of progress. Obviously, the fact that I can have this phone call with you now from New Jersey and you're in South Africa means the technology is uh, advancing such that so much more can be done by home now than it would have been the case when I was earlier in my career. And and do you think, you know, part of obviously you mentioned the change around sort of flexible working and sort of other industries possibly helping mining move into sort of the 21st century around working arrangements. Um, but do you think other things like the commercial argument around diversity and the business case around diversity has helped instigate some of these changes within mining? And, and do you believe in a commercial argument for diversity? Yeah, there's clearly a commercial argument for diversity, uh, particularly mining sector where, um, you know, there have not been enough professionals um, in the field, um, in the mining, in the mining uh, specific field, uh, you know, full stop. And so uh, if you divide that by two, then you end up with um, you know, a scarcity divided by, you know, uh, just, just amplified. So I think that on the commercial side, we have to have as large a pool available uh, because not everyone decides to go into the mining industry. Uh, so commercially, it is it is quite important. We can't we can't just handpick half the population in, uh, for our sector. Um, I think that um, commercially, there's also what I call pressures, particularly on public companies and highly visible public companies, where their investors are saying we want to see more diversity. We want to, we might want to see more goal setting within your organization uh, in order to um, in order to allow us to continue to invest in you as a company. And, and you know you have to say that is a, that is a very clear fundamental commercial driver. And, and, and you sort of briefly touched on this, Tom, but you said you know, you're talking about sort of the investment community. Um, do you think that ultimately mining companies will change at a more accelerated pace around diversity if they are receiving more pressure from investors versus from government or from sort of private or, or sort of NGO sector? Um, I think that uh, the, the – the, the will take notice if their largest investors are saying – we want to see diversity targets, and we want to see how you're performing against those diversity targets. Perfect. And you talk about sort of, you know, when you started and you were in university, how there was very few women sort of in your class and how obviously that that is changing. Um, But do you think that mining is still traditionally seen as a male-dominated industry so that these young women, when they're looking at their, their university courses, aren't being necessarily drawn into the industry? And what do you think the industry can do to better self-promote the fact that it is a changing and innovative industry that these kids can come into um, and, and not necessarily go work for the likes of Google, but can, can work for the likes of Anglo-American or, or, or Glencore? Yeah, so I think um, it depends on the geographic location and the country. Because if, if I were to think about countries like Canada, South Africa, Australia, 
where mining is known to be an important part of the economic landscape. Uh, the mining companies are some of the more prestigious companies on those uh, respective um, uh, stock registers, et cetera. They have less of a challenge in attracting women uh, in, into what would be seen traditionally as a male-dominated space. Um, I'm spending a lot of my, lot of my time in, Amer in, in the U.S. right now, and as a matter of in fact, we're going through quite a bit of hiring in Nevada uh, for a, a, a mine and at Pumpkin Hollow um, that I'm director on. And um, I would say that in the U.S., where mining is not seen to be a, a, a dominant industry, it's not even seen to be a medium-sized industry in the likes of some of the other types of industries in the U.S., it is a much more difficult proposition because, um, you know, you have, you have, you have First of all, women don't know about the mining industry, and second of all, what they do hear about it, it's generally going to be that it's a, it's a, it's a bias toward um, toward, toward uh, male male workers. And again, that, that applies both in the um, what I call the operating roles, the maintainers, the craftsmen, uh, um, and as well as in the professional roles. And, and so we sort of we're touching on that sort of at that sort of grassroots bringing you know young women into the industry at sort of that sort of you know school age or university age, um, but just just flipping it to the sort of the top end, Tom. And I'm sure you're probably familiar. And if you're not um, with the um, Hampton Alexander review here in the UK, looking at sort of board diversity. And earlier in the year, um, they put out some 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 quite shocking explanations from FTSE 350 chairs and CEOs, which would be 98% men, talking about why women um, aren't suitable for the boardroom or why there aren't more women, including things like. Um, you know, women don't want the hassle and pressure of sitting on a board or um, shareholders just aren't interested in the makeup of the board, so why should we be? Um, have you seen a change in, in your your time as an executive around those attitudes around the boardroom table? And do you think that part of the problem is the fact that boards, as, as, as their current composition, aren't necessarily moderate enough to address these challenges? Many of those comments, um, that were, I, I would call them derogative or women directors, I would put in the category of 19th century. Um, it is nonsense. And all of my experiences on boards in the UK, in Australia, in India, and in North America would, would strongly support that the men on the boards are actively uh, working to get more women women on those boards, and they're actively, you know, using the women that are on the board as a key part of the decision-making process. So um, I, I saw those. I, I, I can't imagine who would make comments like that because that's not, as far as I'm concerned, reflective of the reality in the boardroom today. Okay. And and so, uh, you know, what, one of one of the comments, and, and this just follows on from that, and whether, um, you know, taking it into context is, you know, there aren't that many women with the right credentials and depth of experience to sit on the board. And I guess my question to you, Tom, is do you think that boards actually need to look at the types of individuals that they are recruiting and also actually their overall composition to be more reflective of a diverse and modern society? Yes, I think that um, that that is that is the case, but I do want to say that um, – one of the challenges that boards do face on bringing women into the boardroom is that a lot of the men on the boardroom tables are in their late 50s, they're in their in 60s, in some cases even 70s. 
And so they developed their career at a time, and they built up their experience at a time when um, diversity wasn't a an issue on the table. Um, so women have been playing catch-up. And as a consequence of that, for, uh, for boards of find women that are, um, uh, you know, with what I call the experience to meet the uh, shareholders' requirements of not just, you know, diversity, but also proper decision-making and making the proper judgments uh, in, in real time and, you know, the normal conditions of volatility in the markets, that, that boards are reaching into, uh, you know, uh, women candidates that are early in their career, they're not retired or post-retirement, but they're people that are actually uh, women that are in their, you know, in their 40s, early 50s, sometimes even late late 30s, and um, that means that the women are going to have to learn the experience on the board room. And I think the men that I've worked with certainly are very helpful in making sure that they get that experience, they get that training, uh, they get the exposure to other parts of business, which is all which has all been, I think, constructive. But it does mean that the demographics, demographics of women on the boards tend to be younger than the age demographics of men on the boards. And and sort of I think that leads me on to uh, my next sort of um, question, Tom, very much is around sort of the idea of mentorship and sponsorship within the mining industry. How important do you think women having sponsors or mentors within the industry um, can help shape their career? And how important is it that, that the men are sort of stepping up and really supporting um, high performers in, the, in, in their in their own organizations? Uh, look, I think it's absolutely critical. So I think that women can become very useful mentors. Uh, other women early in the career, but more importantly, uh, that 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 um, senior executive men need to take it upon themselves to develop the networks and to uh, basically um, create coaching and mentoring opportunities. I, I usually call it coaching more than I call it mentoring, but it's basically helping um, the, the the women with their own career paths and navigating the, the normal questions anyone comes up with when they think about what roles to step into, um, what disciplines to focus on, et cetera. And, and just taking a step, taking a much more macro look at but this issue, Tom. Oh, oh, sorry, please. There's, there's one unintended consequence, and I know it's politically incorrect, but I, I think it's important to recognize that as boards uh, reach into um, uh, um, the, the ranks of, of women that are – say, in their 40s and early 50s, uh, they're creating dilemmas that, that I don't think we fully anticipated. And that, that is mainly that, that women who should be aiming for the C- C-suite roles, the CEO, CFO roles um, in their 40s are starting to begin to approach a headhunter saying, hey, hey, would you like to step out of a full-time executive role, take on a couple um, director roles, you'll have more time at home, uh, you'll, you'll get paid, you know, maybe – not as much, but you'll have free time. And they begin to to, to present trade-offs that, for some women, you know, could be attractive. And those women basically take on NED roles, which are good in terms of better boardroom diversity. But I think it's going to lead to even greater challenges in the next five or ten years for finding the suitable women CEO candidates. Uh, Tom, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because actually that, that's absolutely right. And, you know, the executive pipeline and that mid-management pipeline is actually the issue that needs to be addressed. And 
you know, diversifying boards now, um, you know, if we don't fix that problem in five years' time, we're going to be having the same conversation about why there's no female board directors because there hasn't been any female CFOs or CEOs or, or, or COOs. So, yeah, I think that's a, that's a very, very good point. Um, and just taking a step back and looking at the wider macro environment that the mining industry operates in, you know, one of the key issues within the industry is social license to operate. And a lot of communities, um, you know, especially in places like Africa where women are still, you know, staying at home and, and, and taking care of the house and, and perhaps play more subservient roles um, within their communities. What responsibility does the mining industry have to the women in the communities in which they operate outside of just their employees? So I think that let me use my experience in India because I, I was a CEO um, and lived in India for four years at, with Bedanza. And I would just, you know, credit Bedanza as being very proactive in this area where, you know, women do have traditional roles that, that sometimes, uh, well, they usually come into conflict with professional uh, lifetime career roles. And what Bedanza had as its policy, and it's, it's if anything, it's, it's continuing to uh, strengthen that policy, is, is to uh, ensure that there is um, uh, roughly a 50-50 mix of, of new graduate intakes between men and women, and to ensure that that women are given, um, you know, you know, not only fair but um, you know, very visible um, uh, treatment when con- being considered uh, for next roles and promotional opportunities, and uh, that that does, I think, create a, um, a, a, a you know, a, 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 a basically a, a better demographic mix, particularly within the uh, younger ranks of the. Uh, Professional professional pool. Um, that will need to continue, and, and of course, it becomes challenging as families or as women think about raising families, et cetera. But but certainly, I think companies uh, in India, India, they, they they've, they've shown they can do that, and uh, I, I would say that that would work in Africa too. Fantastic. And 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 Tom, looking at the wider industry, and yeah. Add a point about social license to operate because um, in, in, in the case of social license to operate, it's not just um, it's not just male female diversity which is important, but it's also um, it, it's diversity across views, uh, diversity across different um, racial groups uh, that is equally uh, important. And then for license to operate, sometimes more important. So in the case of our operation in uh, in, in, in Nevada. At Pumpkin Hollow for Nevada Copper, um, you know we have a, one, a target as we're ramping up for for, for one third diversity mix of all employees, professional and non-professional. And uh, one one important um, area that we'd be targeting would be the, uh, the 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 people that are coming off of the um, the American Indian reservations in the in the nearby area. And uh, we want to make sure that that they are given uh, almost preferred uh, opportunities to. Uh, take on roles and build their careers with us because you know, we're competing with the likes of, of the uh, Tesla mega factory, um, which is actually between Reno and our mine. Uh, so if, if you're looking at, you know, where would someone want to work, uh, they have a choice of working at a copper mine or they have a choice of working at Tesla's most exciting battery factory. Um, and and, and that, that, that means that, that, that we have a challenging hiring situation in, in a full employment situation, which the United States is in, so we have to make sure, you know, doubly make sure that we are uh, reaching into those local communities, and um, you know, and 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 setting up diversity targets is a key part of that. And 
And looking at the industry as a whole, why do you think some companies, and I'll just off the top of my head say, some a company like Newmont Mining has been so successful around their diversity targets and policies, and you've got Noreen Doyle as, as, a, as a female chair and a diverse board at an exert, a sort of diverse exco, whereas some other companies in the industry perhaps aren't being as successful sort of with their diversity targets? Well, look, I know many of the um, women on their executive committee, many of them have worked with me over the years, and uh, I would say that, that their leadership had been quite proactive in pushing for diversity. Uh, they're naturally advantaged in Denver, which is a, an attractive place to hire uh, women professionals and, and an attractive place for women professionals to gravitate towards, some of who have had opportunities to work all around the world. Um, but, but I think it's first foremost in that commitment of a proactive management and board. And, and do you think that that sort of that leadership or that sort of proactive management around the issue is what is holding some of the other companies, and we won't name names, but other companies in the industries back? Um, well, I think everyone's getting everyone's getting the message. It's a question of how well they can execute that message. So it's like many other things in the industry and any in, in business in general. It's not only having the strategy place, but the ability to execute, and that's basically tied to capability management. If they can't execute on diversity, they're possibly not executing on other areas. And if we just have got just a couple more questions, Tom, and this is sort of going back to sort of the beginning conversation that we had about sort of when you first started in the industry. Do you think if we're looking at sort of mine sites globally in, in, in difficult jurisdictions, how have you seen them develop and change over the last sort of 20 years? And do you think they're more conducive to allowing more female staff members there? Um, they are, but it's Still slow, um, and, but it depends on the type of operation, um, and that 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 will create a um, a driver. For example, I think for an open pit operation uh, where you're in a fly in fly out type mode, you can actually um, bring in women pretty effectively. I think for underground mines, uh, that that sometimes the, the the bias toward that old male-dominated culture is, is, is more difficult not to crack. Uh, I think that something to do, for example, ensuring that an underground mine has proper women's dry facilities side-by-side side and equivalent in quality as the men's dry facilities would be the types of steps that management can undertake to improve that mix. Clearly, with more and more automation, uh, that will continue to make it easier to create a more diverse workforce. Okay. And, and, and Tom, I'm sure over, over the course of your career, you've, you've given many sort of nuggets of advice both to, to men and women in the industry. Um, but if you were talking to a young graduate now who's looking at the mining industry, what, what sort of piece of advice would you give her to ensure that she had a long and happy and successful career in our industry? So I've, I've actually given this advice many times in, in a number of roles, and it was, it was, it was quite um, – uh, you know, you know, quite important advice uh, in India, and that is that um, typically women will gravitate toward the roles in what would be functional areas, uh, finance, accounting, human resources, environmental health and safety, communications, which are all fine and good, but it's, it's, it's very important for women early in their career and the middle part of their career to get line experience, to get roles working on sites, to get roles where they're leading uh, progressively more and more people, and to get, uh, you know, a, 
an experienced bandwidth that is beyond the boundary of what they learned in school. Uh, sometimes, you know, not men and women, they'll they'll stick with you know the sort of the engineering or the finance specialty that they learned in school, and they'll follow that in their career. But they don't have what I call that broad general management experience that is actually very important when people when boards are considering tapping people for senior roles. So it, it, it's not only getting in, not only for women to get in the role and work hard and be smart and work with teams. It's also um, you know, from time to time, making sure that when opportunities come up to work in a line environment, managing P&L, managing an operation, even if it's you know, stepping up and wanting to be a shift supervisor in their 20s, will give women, I think, that added edge um, when, when being considered for perhaps more senior roles. Fantastic. And, and just one final question, and I'm, I'm coming at this as the, as the MD of Women in Mining here in, in the UK, but how important do you think organizations externally like Women in Mining play in the industry um, in terms of not only advancing the diversity agenda, but also supporting women outside of their own organizations? I'd say that they create very good opportunities, networking opportunities. Um, it creates a, 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 a place for a woman professional to reach out uh, when, you know, they're dealing with dilemmas about what roles to take or which companies are better than others. Uh, so any, anything that would create that type of networking opportunity, I think, is, is, is very useful. Okay. And I said I had one last question, but I lied, Tom. Um, <laughs> this is my last question. Um, and and what, what, piece of, what piece of advice would you give to the industry, or, or how would you better engage with men in the industry in order to help them promote this agenda? Because I think sometimes often it seem as, seems as sort of women are the ones sort of trying to forward their careers. I mean, how, how can men help this agenda within their own organization? Well, I think that men through the organization have to see that their women, their, their, their female peers are, um, are part of the team. Uh, they're not there just to match the quota, nor are they there as uh, competition for them for the next roles going forward. Uh, so I think it means that, that the, the male members of the team have to be um, probably even better team players. And I think the organizations are well-suited by all the members of the team, male or female, to be better team players. Great. Um, I, I don't have any more questions. Is there anything else, Tom, that you want to you say about the issue or, or anything that you want to discuss? Uh, I, again, I, I would say that um, globally, it, this is a global issue. Uh, there are some jurisdictions that are that have what I call the obstacles in the way, but they're not insurmountable obstacles. The the the, the industry the, the industries in are probably going to be leaders in the diversity agenda, uh, only because women are more likely to gravitate toward the mining company in the absence of other industries as compared to going into other industries. Um, and what I would say is that boards need to be aware of the fact that they'll have to adapt their strategies and policies for different locations, particularly global companies. Uh, they have to, you know, I think first and foremost, they have to allow flex working. They have to allow uh, for, for, for women-friendly uh, conditions of work, particularly when women are in their key, um, you know, family years, the 20s and 30s, which is sometimes the case. Um, and, and that that has to be uh, you know, fully utilizing the technologies that are out there and, and um, make, make, the, make the best 
piece of them. They, they will then be advantaged by having women climbing up through the career profile side by side with men. And uh, when then the next mine manager job comes up or the next business unit president job comes up, you'll have some women not only with uh, the educational credentials, but they also have had the work in the career interest. Fantastic. Great. Thank you so much, Tom. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you about this. Thank you. It's been an important topic. Thank you very much. No, that's great. Thank you so much. Mining in Darba 2019 has a huge focus on gender diversity, where you will see many more women speaking on business topics across the conference. Join us in February to continue the discussion around this important topic. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and thank you for listening.